1: Uh, obviously big reaction to the fact that the Lakers lost and uh, that the Portland Trailblazers won. I would say, you know, sometimes you say, hey, was this more of a team losing or another team winning? I thought the Trailblazers just grabbed control of this game in the final five minutes and became game time. Uh, and I'm going to ask Danny G to play the shot that broke the Lakers back one more time. You get across half court, you're near the logo. Damian Lillard can pull up at any moment. It's a tie game. You talk about ice water in the veins. This is what it sounded like when Damian Lillard gave the Blazers the lead. They would never relinquish and led them to the game one victory. Dame,
0: top of the key takes another deep three. It's good from game distance. It is game time in the fourth quarter.
1: All right, that was the Portland Trailblazer Radio Network. Obviously, I love this Blazer team. I've been watching them in the bubble. I understand some of you are frustrated about uh, the intense politicization that the NBA has embraced. I understand it, but I like watching Dame Lillard play. He's been one of the great stories of the return of sports eight and two. The Portland Trailblazers have now gone in that bubble in Orlando. C.J. McCollum, Damian Lillard, Uh, You look at this team and watch the way they play, even Carmelo Anthony, who is still at 36, a shell of his former self, Nurkic. Uh, Everything that they did, this is a better basketball team than the Lakers, top to bottom. I said top to bottom. LeBron and Anthony Davis are probably the two best players on the court in virtually any series they play in. But when you look at this Trailblazer team and what they are capable of from a healthy perspective, uh, they would have been, I think, a four or five seed if they had been able to stay healthy. They were in the NBA's Western Conference Finals last year. These guys know what it's like to be on the big stage. And right now, Damian Lillard might be might be hotter as a shooter than anybody has ever been in the history of the NBA. The degree of difficulty on the shots that he is taking and making uh, is simply through the roof. Hassan Whiteside played really, really well uh, protecting the rim, gave him 26 solid minutes. Nurkic, who a lot of people overlook, but man, he's a difference maker inside. 16 and 15 for Nurkic as well. And uh, the, the Blazers just have guys who can make big shots at the right moment. Uh, Even Carmelo Anthony went with 11, 10, and 5. Didn't shoot that well. Almost all of his shots are wide open. I think this Blazer team has a real chance to pull off the upset. But that is what happened in the NBA from a large perspective there. We'll go down to the bubble in the third hour of this program and talk with Chris Mannix live in Orlando and see what he thinks through the first now complete Uh, series of games in the first round everybody's game one is over what has he learned of the 16 teams that have played but there is drama brewing and it is fascinating to follow and this story comes from Jeff Snook who covers Ohio State and is a guy that has gotten a lot right over the years and what he is reporting is pretty jaw-dropping He is reporting that Ohio State's athletic director is – this is his headline – working on a plan to get five other Big Ten teams to participate in a 10-game schedule this fall. Here's what I'm reading. Uh, Athletic director Gene Smith, uh, according to, again, Jeff Snook, with the full support of school president-elect Christina Johnson – has been working behind the scenes for the past six days to organize fellow Big Ten conference athletic directors to convince at least five other university presidents to move forward with a 10-game season to be played among six teams, a source familiar with the movement said. Uh, In a proposed format, each team would play the other five Big Ten teams twice once at home and once on the road, beginning either September 26th or October 3rd, the season would conclude by mid-December. There would be no Big Ten title game. As Again, I'm reading from a report from Jeff Snook, who covers Ohio State. Uh, many of you may know him uh, as Buckeye Media. He's written several books uh, this is a guy who I'd like to get on the radio program and have him lay out this out more uh, more detail. But as of Tuesday night, the source claimed Penn State President Eric Barron, Nebraska pet President, Walter Carter, and Iowa President Bruce Harold are on board with the new plan. The group is trying to convince two other universities, the University of Wisconsin and the University of Michigan to join them. Uh, And the talk is they really need to get Wisconsin and Michigan on board alongside of Nebraska, Penn State, and Iowa, uh, as well as Ohio State. This is an unprecedented rebellion that could be brewing in the Big Ten. Again, this report from Jeff Snook that went up late Tuesday night is that the Ohio State Buckeyes are trying to put together a rebellion to play a Big Ten season of sorts, which would involve basically a home-and-home with six different Big Ten teams signed up. Iowa, Nebraska, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin, arguably the six biggest brands in the Big Ten, to thumb their nose at the Big Ten Conference Commissioner Kevin Warren and the other presidents who shut down football in the state. Holy cow. If this report is accurate, get your popcorn. This is flat out unbelievable. Danny G, when you hear this, this idea, and again, I just told you to reach out to Jeff Snook. I'm not an expert, okay? I'm not an expert in Big Ten media. Uh, This guy is uh, Jeff Snook. Um, is is an incredible. Yeah. yeah, he's he's a uh, graduate of Ohio State's uh, School of Journalism. He's written fourteen books, uh, including four that have focused on Ohio State. Uh, he has also written books on the Oklahoma Sooners, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and the Florida Gators. Uh, and uh, so, again, fourteen books he has authored, and uh, and he is posting that on his Facebook page. Ah, uh, this guy is not on Twitter, uh, but he's pretty plugged in with Ohio State, and uh, and and has broken prior stories related to the Buckeyes. This would be an unbelievable uh, storyline to follow, right?
4: Yeah, he is legit. Uh, this would be
0: insane. Now, besides the obvious, what do you think the major hurdles will be?
1: Well, I mean, again, is true? I, this is—I've got to put my lawyer hat on. I mean, I had this question from the get-go, all right? So I always think, like, what are the consequences if you are in the Big Ten shoes and you decided to play a football game and the Big Ten wasn't allowing it? Is the Big Ten going to kick Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and Wisconsin and Iowa and Nebraska out of the conference? I think the answer is no, right? So... What would happen if these schools decided to stage their own home-and-home home seasons? I don't understand what the Big Ten would be able to do to them. Now, there are obviously a lot of complicating factors. For instance, how would this work from a television perspective? Like, how would it play out that these schools were playing home-and-homes? How would that work? I don't know the answer on that from television perspective. Uh, I don't know what the contracts would read. But I think increasingly, you just heard uh, in the last segment we took calls and you had a former Iowa football player who called in. The people who are alums of Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Iowa, Nebraska, they're fed up. And they're getting more fed up because in addition to it appearing more and more likely that the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 are going to play. In addition to that, you're also now talking about all of these schools having fans. So it's not just that they're planning to play, it's that they're planning to play with fans present. Just yesterday, Alabama announced they were expecting 20% attendance. Tennessee, the University of Tennessee announced they were expecting 25% attendance. And Texas A&M announced that they were expecting 30% attendance. This squares roughly, I believe, Texas Tech, for instance, has announced that they're expecting 25% attendance. The University of Texas is going to have fans present. There are, I think, virtually every SEC school, based on the people that I'm talking to, are, is going to have around 20 or 25% fans present in their stadiums. That's where I think we're headed for the early games in September. It's possible they could adjust and go up or down as you move into October and November. But you're talking about not just playing games, but 25% of fans present. Well, look, if Nebraska and Iowa were playing games, they would have fans present as well, right? I mean, this is not a uh, this is not a crazy idea. And so I have reached out to a lot of Buckeye fans that I know uh, who are, uh, you know, sort of died in the wool, plugged into the media before I wanted to go public with uh, this uh, Jeff Snook report. And uh, and they're all saying, look, this dude is a huge Buckeye fan. He is plugged in pretty well into, uh, into Ohio State. This is not a crazy off-the-wall report about the idea of all these schools trying to set up their own home-and-homes to potentially play a 10-game schedule of home-and-homes in the Big Ten. Dub, when you hear this, this is wild, right? This would be a crazy, crazy outcome, but again, I think there are Nebraska and Iowa fans who are like, man, we are fed up. Not only would we play in Nebraska and in Iowa, we would have fans present. I think Nebraska and Iowa are a lot like the SEC and the Big 12 schools. They would have 25% or so of the fans present in their stadiums. They don't just want to play. They want to have fans present.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And no disrespect to the Purdue's or the Illinois of the world, but these teams are the Big Ten yeah. for the most part. These are That's the right. blue bloods of the conference. And if these are the teams that are saying, you know what, screw this. We're playing football this year. We're getting a group of six of us, and we're going to play each other twice, a home-and-home and we're going to have a season, what is the Big Ten really going to do? What is Kevin Warren going to do? Like you said, they're not getting kicked out of the conference because if these teams got kicked out of the conference— The conference doesn't exist. Exactly. So they're using their leverage, and I love it. They want to play football. They think it's safe to play football. The Southeastern Conference is playing. The ACC is playing. The Big 12 is playing. And yesterday we had the conversation about the college football playoff committee and the potential of them picking the four teams and the Big Ten— not even being involved because they didn't play a season. Ohio State is not going to stand for that, and a lot of these other teams aren't going to stand for that either. So they're going to do their best to have a season, and I hope they I, I hope they do it.
1: This makes me also think, again, we didn't have an official vote, which is why I would be exploring the idea of filing a lawsuit over the Big Ten season being shut down. We didn't have an official vote. But this makes me think if this were to happen – that the vote may have been 8-6 to to cancel the season if they had actually put the university presidents on the record. Because if these six schools are willing to play and if their university presidents will support the idea of them playing the home-and-home, it's basically an FU to the conference and to Kevin Warren, not only for the decision, but the way the decision was made. And that's why I'd be exploring a lawsuit if I were a politician uh, representing the state of Iowa, representing the state of Nebraska, representing Ohio, Pennsylvania, any of these states where people have come out strongly, the governor, senators, all these people who have said, hey, we disagree with the way the Big Ten decision is made. How can you cancel the Big Ten fall season without a vote actually happening? Moreover, how can you cancel the season without requiring these presidents to publicly put their name behind the decision. I've been on this for weeks now on this show. I understand that everybody doesn't agree. on. Certainly in 2020, there's a huge disagreement on a variety of different issues every single day. But how can you not require the university presidents to put their name behind the decision that they're making? You want to cancel the Big Ten season, fine. Your name needs to be, as the president of the university, connected to a yes or no vote that is publicly reviewable. You can't go into a meeting, lock the door, not allow anybody to know what actually took place in there, and not actually have a on-the-record vote about whether or not to cancel the season. I think what happened is, The Big Ten was trying to bully the rest of college football into shutting down. And they thought, hey, we're the Big Ten. We're the straw that stirs the college football drink. The SEC, the Big 12, the ACC, they're going to get in line if we cancel this season. They're not going to have any other option. And what happened is this is blown up in the Big Ten's face Because the other conferences said, no, 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 we don't agree with this decision. We're not going to let you bully us into shutting down. And instead of the focus being on the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC playing, the focus right now, I believe, is all on the Big 10 not playing. In other words, this thing has blown up in the Big 10's face in a massive way. Eddie, when you hear this story... Are you as like holy crap as I am about the idea? I love it. I I endorse it. I give props to Iowa, Nebraska, Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan if they're trying to make this happen. But this would be an unbelievable rebellion against Kevin Warren's leadership in the Big Ten, wouldn't it?
5: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I will admit that I'm pretty familiar with how things work as far as commissioners in professional leagues. I I have to admit I I wasn't all that – up to date on how it works as far as commissioners of a football conference in college football. Uh, and I assume that, you know, much like owners would vote on things in the NFL that university presidents would have to vote on things or or i i'm shocked if you know kevin warren took it upon himself basically to make this decision or if there was something behind closed doors where it was like hey take the heat for us uh you know this is our decision as much as you said the presidents do need to put their names on it and be held accountable if they did in fact want this to happen but now the blowback is coming back the other way and a lot of these i think these presidents are realizing this was a, a mistake and we said at the time why are they doing this so early Why not wait until the last possible second if you're going to make this decision to do this?
1: Why not have put, and this is my argument as well, they could have followed the lead of the SEC and pushed all the way back to September 26th because I've been saying this for weeks on the show as well. The SEC anticipated that when college kids got back on campus, they were going to have new rates of infection, right? That there were going to be new coronavirus outbreaks, that people were going to lose their mind. We've seen it at UNC, We've seen it at Notre Dame. Certainly every university is going to have kids that get sick uh, with the virus. And by get sick, I mean mostly test positive and not even know they have this virus because that's the way a huge percentage of college kids are going to experience the coronavirus. They're only going to know they have this illness because they tested for it. It, for most of them, is either asymptomatic or it's like a cold And so it's not a severe health consequence. But the corona bros in the media lose their mind. And when the corona bros in the media lose their mind, the university presidents feel pressure. And so the SEC knew this was going to happen. All the kids get back on campus. The infection rate goes up in August. All the kids are partying. All the kids are chasing boys and girls. Whatever it is, if you went to college, you know the vibe. And then what happens is hopefully things start to stabilize and the football team can continue to train and everything else. And that by the end of September, things are looking better in terms of the overall coronavirus infection rates, which is certainly the case right now. And if you look all over the South and all over the Big 12, the rates of infection are collapsing in those states. And so by Labor Day, We may well have a situation in the South that's very similar to New York where there isn't a very substantial rate of infection. And, oh, by the way, the rate of death was a fraction in the South of what it was in New York and New Jersey. And so then you're in a position in the SEC and the Big 12 and the ACC states, many of which are Southern, to be able to play the season. And the Big Ten could have theoretically waited that out and tried to put itself in the same perspective. Instead, they have bungled their way into a full-blown potential rebellion. We're trying to reach out for this guy, Jeff, uh, Jeff Snook, right?
4: Yeah, I'm on it. I'm already sending an email to him.
1: All right, so we're trying to get him on. I'd love to hear him directly lay out what he is hearing. But again, potential rebellion in the Big 12. We will discuss. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. I am Clay Travis. When we come back, Jeff Schwartz is going to join us. And by the way, as we go to break, go sign up for Outkick VIP. Right now, you go sign up for Outkick VIP. You get an autographed copy of my book. You get the ability to comment on all of our articles. You heard already the Outkick VIP phone line. When we open up phone lines, you can call directly, jump to the front of the line. You can uh, have your access to message board for vip only members and and this is pretty cool you get access to zoom calls with jason whitlock and myself just for the vips where you can ask questions and interact with us it's a great value 99 dollars for the year 12.99 a month if you want to check it out on a month by month basis and oh by the way oh by the way jason whitlock great job last night on Tucker Carlson show on Fox News, as many of you saw. You can go check out what Jason Whitlock had to say on Tucker Carlson last night at outkick.com. When we come back, Jeff Schwartz, former Pac-12 player, what does he think about the Big Ten Rebellion? We will discuss. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis. Jeff Schwartz joins us now. Jeff, how nervous should the Lakers be?
3: Well, I mean, if you can't shoot and score, you should be pretty nervous right? I mean, to get points. That of, seems like a flaw in basketball. To score more points is the, is the is the other team, right? And like they can't do that right now, so. um I'm I'm sad to admit, man. I'm lacking the stamina to stay up late at night for these games. I'm, I'm not used to it anymore. Like I'm not used to <laughs> having to stay until midnight to watch sports. It's such an odd. I fell asleep at halftime. Such an odd feeling. You know, I woke up. They only scored ninety three points. I mean, no surprise the way they were shooting. But you know, but Portland only scored a hundred, right? And for how much they've been scoring lately, and how much damage gone off, I take that as a Laker fan. But the ninety three points, obviously, they just can't. They can't. They have no shooter. They have no one to shoot, and they have no one to rely on to shoot and LeBron's in like year 100 and can't do it all all the time and so um, it's going to have to be LeBron again. LeBron's going to have to score 30 points a night. I thought he was the first guy ever to have like 20 15 and 15 in a playoff game or something crazy like that again um, I'm, I mean I'm worried they can't shoot I'm not worried that defensively they were fine last night just the shooting part
1: it's interesting. I got to give the NBA credit here. They've bumped up the start at least of yeah. their West Coast games, so they're going off at 9 p.m. Now it usually is like ends up being like 9:10 or something like that. Uh, but instead of waiting till like 9:30 930 or 9:35 to actually get the games going, uh, so that helps a little bit for those of us on the East Coast. But yeah, look, I was up super late last night. That game didn't end until uh, a little bit after midnight, I think, or right about midnight on the East Coast. And uh, and so this is a challenge because there's so many games going on right now. I'm already thinking, like, I was like, ah, I've stayed up the last several nights. I may not stay up to watch the end of the Clippers-Mavs series because I don't have a lot of suspense about who's going to win that series. As much fun as it is to watch Luca and Chris Stapps getting tossed and everything else, I feel like the Clippers are going to win that series. And certainly if they go up 2-0, I think they will What do you think, by the way, um, so much of usual NBA playoff talk is like, oh, man, they went on the road and they won a game. They flipped home court advantage. I I know the Lakers lost, but even if the Lakers lose tomorrow and go down 0-2, inside the bubble, I don't think anything really changes, right? I know that they've got those video fan feeds that they put up on the LED boards or whatever else. But it doesn't really feel like there's much difference between where the you know, who the home team is or even trying to distinguish between the two.
3: Right. there is no difference. And and that is the odd part about this whole experience. I mean, even watching last night, I remember the Lakers went on thirteen to one run, and you're like, if that was at staples, right? That thing would have been would have been would have been Bonkers. crazy, right? The fans yeah. would have been into it and like and you know, that that LeBron spin move layup that kind of started the whole thing, they hit two threes in a row and then it would have been, I think AD ended the the uh, the uh whole run with a dunk. I mean, Staples Center would have been rocking, right? And just, it wasn't. Now, the crowd noise was kind of nice. Like, you know, they put the little fake crowd noise in. But it's a completely different atmosphere. It's a sterile atmosphere. And look, you know, NFL's got to deal with Stu, too. College football will, will at some point as well. And so it's just going to be a little bit weird. And you're right. There is no home court advantage. There is no, okay, you know, we'll get back to our court. And if, if you're going 2-0, you talk about Clippers, Mavs, you know, that game three in Dallas, that's my favorite game to bet in almost any sport, right? The game three first half for the home team who's down 0-2. It's been the best bet ever, right? Because they're going to come out smoking, trying to get back. They have the, you know, the crowd behind them, but you don't have that now. So there is no home court advantage, and I'm not sure it matters very much for the favorites, but it definitely helps the underdogs in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, we're talking to Jeff Schwartz. Uh, all right, so that was what happened in the NBA. You uh, Are you surprised that there is such a rebellion going on in the Big Ten about the decision to cancel college football, and yet we haven't even heard a word, it feels like, out of anybody in the Pac-12? It's like everybody in the Pac-12 is like, <laughs> hey, you know what? Yeah, we should have canceled the season. We're happy with it. I mean, Larry Scott compared to Kevin Warren – has to be sleeping pretty easy at night, whereas Kevin Warren has to be like, man, I don't even want to check my phone and see what the next text message I'm going to get is.
3: Well, look, I think because they they actually cancel for different reasons, and this is part of 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 why um, of why it was good that the PAC was very transparent with with how they went about it. I mean, they put out a memo saying, here's a you know, here's a twelve page memo of why we're shutting down, right? And they mentioned all the reasons why. We didn't get that out of the Big Ten, right? And now we have, obviously, you know, it doesn't help when the, the Minnesota president comes out and is like, well, we didn't really vote. We just kind of decided. And when it was reported, it was a vote. And then you have, you know, the Penn State athletic director coming out and be like, yeah, there wasn't even a vote. And um, there just wasn't good transparency in the process. And, look, I'm surprised the Pac-12 hasn't had any kind of revolting, but I think mean, part of it is they were all in it together, right? They were in it together. The coaches were in it. The ADs were in it. The presidents. The Pac-12 decision, in my opinion, was very different than the Big Ten decision. You know, for example, you know, California right now, those so schools can't even practice yet. So like there isn't, you can't even start a season if four of your teams, including one of them that's USC, really can't practice yet. Right? The Big Ten doesn't have those issues. The Big Ten, for the most part, has students on campus. The Pac-12 doesn't like so it makes sense if you're like okay we can't have students on campus so we can't have football players on campus like everyone kind of buys into that argument on the you know the face value of that argument I mean, you know you you can disagree with whether you think that should be the case or not but you can understand that argument you can't understand that if you're Ohio State and you have students back on campus but football can't play like, I don't understand that I also don't understand the one thing I don't understand is and I, this is a, a graph I have with the Pac-12 is this idea of we can't proceed to contact. Well, if you're testing, then you can have contact, right, because everyone's going to be negative and just practicing, so why can't you hit each other? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. If everyone in the, in the facility is negative and they're allowed to be there, why can't you practice? Um, and I think you're not in a bubble so a guy can get affected, I guess, off, you know, off the field, but for the most part, college athletes have done – a good job. I'm, I'm concerned when, when campus starts back up again. We've seen a, a couple campuses already have uh, some really bad cases uh, prop up, but I, I don't, th- that part I didn't understand. Um, but everyone in the Pac-12 is, is in together in this, and the Big Ten is definitely not. I don't think anything's going to happen. I, I don't think the Big Ten's going to magically start up again, but um, it's been interesting to watch uh, the revolt. A lot of the media members kind of take place on Twitter. It's kind of interesting to see uh, where they're, they're really ready to draw the line in the sand.
1: Yeah, I said that I thought the Big Ten expected for everybody to get in line behind them. And instead, when they decided to cancel the season, instead it's like the Big Ten was trying to lay a bomb to blow up college football, and instead the bomb went off on them. And so uh, it, it, even the media like that had been supporting the idea of the Big Ten canceling the season, it's like the media has started to turn on them as well.
3: Because there's no transparency, right? Like we yes. get told it's for this reason. Like I'm telling you, I don't know if you read the memo or not. I mean, it's free to I mean anyone can read it. Joel Clatt, I mean, Joel Clatt was kind of against I'm sure he still is against the shutdown. He's like, I want to know information. And then I even even him he tweeted out, I was like, yeah, good job, Pac 12. Here's the information if you want to see it. Like, here, here it is. And I agree, with, okay, like I agree with your kind of decision making process. It's so when you lay it out, you can see why they did it. And it kind of makes sense. But the Big Ten, there's no document. There's no like, okay, here's why we did it. And and, and you keep saying this is a problem. People are being a little bit naive here when they're saying, well, you know, they're taking on face value, the health and safety of the players. That's not the reason why this is happening. The reason why it's money and liability. It's not health and safety of players. It's protecting amateurism, right? If you can't, if you, um, and they still weirdly believe in amateurism, um, you know, you can't say, it's too, you know, it's too unsafe for students to be on campus. But athletes, you can play. That makes them pros, right? That makes that's what we're doing in NFL right now. And so there's a, there's a cost to protecting amateurs, and part of it is is not playing football. And I will say another thing: I haven't seen this from any other conference. The Pac-12 supposedly has secured a billion dollars in loans for their athletic departments. I believe eighty to eighty-five million dollars per athletic department to keep things going while they're not playing. I, I don't think the Big Ten has that quite yet. I mean, that might ease financial concerns if you know you have a loan in place to get you through the season. Um, and I'm not sure the Big Ten has that in place. It's just it's a, it's it's just much different. Like the Midwest right now and the West Coast are just in two different spots. And so um, it makes sense why the Big Ten and players would be forceful in pushing back, especially when, look, Ohio, I think, has... Every sport playing like high school. That's right. Um, except college football. Like, that's just odd to me. It doesn't make sense. That Not even except
1: college have- football. The Cincinnati Bearcats are playing in 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 Ohio. Yeah. You know, in Iowa, you've got Iowa State playing. In Pennsylvania, you've got Temple and Pitt both playing. And yet, Penn State, Ohio State, and yeah. Iowa can't play. It's crazy. We're talking to Jeff Schwartz. How positive of a deal is it? I saw the most recent number there are only 10 current NFL players who are still COVID positive, and those guys are all in some sort of uh, you know recovery mode. Yeah. But so far, I want to knock on wood, we're not going to have preseason football, but the NFL teams seem to be doing pretty well in terms of the protocols that they've put in place to allow training camp to happen yeah. and the players to do it safely.
3: Yeah, I don't think there's been a guy added to the list in a couple of days either. That's uh, yeah. really good. I mean, look... They bought into it all, right? They're, they continue to test every day. They sign an agreement to, to extend that. They have done the protocols in the facilities. I'm sure you've seen all the videos of it. You know, Hard Knocks, obviously, yep. is a good insight into, into how it's been. But every, every team, I'm sure your, your Titans put out a video, like, here's what we're doing to our performance center to make it safe for the players. I've watched like four of them so far. Everyone's doing the exact same thing. Um, and they're putting the money into it, which, look, again, college football, going back to that. The money, they're not going to spend the money. They're going to spend, I mean, it it costs $75 million to test the players as frequently. And that was for the first two weeks. Now they extended that for the next three or four weeks. Plus you add in the the facility upgrades. And most teams have just moved. Like the Chiefs, for example, went from their facility to their stadium. They're like, we don't have room in here. The panthers you know, uh, know, created another bubble. And so it costs money to make this happen. I credit the NFL for doing that. And look, we, we often, all of us, you know, we bash the NFL for some decisions they make. At times, they've handled this perfectly, right? They've listened to their experts. They follow the protocols. They put their own protocols in place, and they're doing everything possible to get a season. And if they play too, and college football doesn't play, then they'll get to own Saturdays, they'll own Fridays, they'll own Thursdays, they'll own all the days, and they might actually come out making money during a pandemic. Um, in a sports league that you know can have fans, or some some, some stadiums will have fans. Um, and by the way, I, I agree with having fans in the stadium. Um, you know, the, the Chiefs are doing twenty two percent. The Cowboys. I think are doing that's sort of a number. huge.
1: Yeah. By the way, I think that's a huge deal for a lot of people on September tenth. Even if it's not a full Arrowhead Stadium, if they're going to have you know fifteen, seventeen thousand people in Kansas City. It will sound good on television. Those people will make noise. And I think that will be a big, big evidence of, hey, we can play college football, too. Because if the NFL game is occurring with fans present, I think a lot of people are going to look at that as a sign of normalcy beginning to return in the country.
3: So I said on my podcast uh, on on uh, yesterday, um, you'll find that on, on iTunes and Spotify and all that, um, that like the NFL seems to be leading the way in a return to normalcy, right? You know they're they're doing the protocols that that's asked of them. And if they have fans in the stands, which, you know, the Chiefs have have been the only team to put out a comprehensive plan now, right? 22% capacity, uh, no more than six people sitting together, and they have to kind of be like your family or close friends. Uh, There will be tailgating, but they're going to mark off, you know, spaces where you can set, you know, contactless payment, in the stadium, uh, you know, they're hiring like a company to, to hospital-grade disinfect the stadium between between games, um, and that feels like a return to normalcy. And the NFL seems to be leading the way in doing that, right? I mean, they, they and that's why I think it's safe. Like, I feel like, look, it's it's an outdoor environment, it's small clusters of people. Um, you wear your mask uh, to be precautious. And, you know, the contactless payment, you know, you hand sanitize, you have little you – know, they're doing it right. And, and it will feel, to your point, you will feel like there's some normalcy, right? The Cowboys might have fans. It'll feel like there's some normalcy in Dallas. Now, obviously, California probably won't. The Giants won't. The Bills might not. I mean, look, there's places that won't do it. But it It's a big like deal to, to get
1: back to normalcy. I don't think yeah, there's any doubt. Like, Jeff Schwartz, outstanding as always. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis.
4: we are
1: continuing to unpack what might be the wackiness surrounding the Big Ten rebellion. Again, a report is out there that some Big Ten schools, among them Ohio State, Iowa, Nebraska, Penn State, uh, as well as uh, as Michigan and Wisconsin, might be contemplating playing a home and home. There is a report from a Ohio State uh, reporter who has uh, written 14 books and has covered the Buckeyes fairly substantially, that uh, that there is a behind-the-scenes movement to potentially play a five-game home-and-home schedule, which I think would be kind of awesome, uh, between Ohio State, Nebraska, Iowa, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Michigan, basically the six biggest linchpins of the Big Ten season. And it's it's like you know you hear this and you think oh that's crazy there's no way it could be true but the report is out there and is there anything crazy enough that you would be like ah there's no way that could be true uh, the government basically said yes ufo's are real and people were like yeah of course it didn't even hardly make front page news and uh and so you can go read this story and we're going to talk about it more obviously throughout this show you can go download the podcast make sure you don't miss anything of this program we got a loaded final hour coming for you when we come back we're going to be joined by the governor of the state of tennessee to talk about the report that the university of tennessee will have 25 percent fans in attendance uh see what he thinks uh, about that decision also Uh, We're going to go down to the NBA bubble and talk with our NBA insider, Chris Mannix, in the wake of the big loss by the Lakers against the Trailblazers. All of that's still to come in hour number three. But, man, the wildness that is the Big Ten right now, where the analogy you heard me making is the Big Ten thought that everybody was going to follow their lead when they canceled the college football season, and instead their attempt to cancel the season has blown up on them And there is not very much support out there and Big Ten fans are rebelling and Big Ten players are rebelling and Big Ten alums are rebelling. And now the latest report is the six biggest schools in the Big Ten are thinking about playing their own college football season at a home and home basis which would be amazing to watch. Uh, And you've reached out, Danny G, to the guy, Jeff Snook, who made this report to see if we could get him on the radio,
4: right? I did. He has an OutKick the Coverage email in his inbox right now.
1: All right. So we'll see whether or not he wants to come on and uh, discuss this story. He has written four books about Ohio State, uh, 14 nonfiction books already. So we'll see whether there is any – Uh, Potential smoke. There's smoke here, whether there's a fire to support the smoke. We will discuss all that more. Make sure you don't miss a minute. Go download the podcast. Thanks to all of you for making August close to already the greatest month for podcast downloads in the history of the show. Oh, oh, oh,
2: O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts.